tuning in to the Murphology Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy, a.k.a. Murph, and I am here to give tips and information about group bicycling and bicycle touring with a focus on the Midwest and hopefully provide some entertainment for you as well. Well, on the show today is Kaylee Kornhauser. Hey, Kaylee. Hello. Hello. Well, recently I read a great article in Bicycling Magazine, and the title, it's long, but it's so awesome. The title was, I'm a fat cyclist and I don't need to fix my body. And my first reaction when I even read the title was, heck yeah. And I may have not (laughs) said heck yeah, I may have you know, I want to keep this PG, but I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, Kaylee is the author of that article. And I knew I wanted to have her on the podcast. And so I reached out and here we are. So I'm so glad that you came on. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, let's get started. First question is, um, where do you live? And maybe what describe what the cycling culture is like there. Sure. I live in Corvallis, Oregon, uh, which is a little college town, about an hour and a half south of Portland. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're smack up against this little mountain range called the Coast Range uh, that just separates us from the ocean. Mm -hmm. And and so the cycling here is great on the road. It's great on the trails. There's tons of gravel roads, old fire access roads in the forest. Um, It's it's kind of a cycling paradise. Yeah, it sounds like um, it. It's really great. And the, the culture here is really relaxed. I came from a city where there was a lot of hip biking culture mm-hmm. and moved here just two years ago to find a really relaxed and I would say more inclusive cycling culture. Um, the town is really bike friendly and most people bike to work or school. And so... Uh, we always joke it's kind of like a, a mini Amsterdam or something. Everyone's on their bikes, <laughs> yeah. and and it doesn't matter what type of bike you have or if you're a cyclist. You know, you just people just ride to get places. So it's a it's really friendly community. Wow, I need to come visit there for sure. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're, uh, it sounds like you're probably one of those people who's on your bike a lot. Um, are you mostly doing miles on roads, on gravel, on trails, a little bit of everything? A little bit of everything. Before I moved here, I pretty much exclusively rode on pavement and gravel roads. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are so many sort of beginner mountain bike trails here. And you can even connect pavement and gravel and mountain bike trails. Um, And and you can use kind of any bike to do all three of them. Oh, nice. I guess not any bike, but a lot of bikes accommodate all three of, of the types of riding. So... I guess I find myself probably most on pavement, just commuting, but I recreationally spend equal time on all three types of types of riding, which Mm -hmm. is really cool. I I didn't see myself doing that. And when we moved here, it was uh, just like so conducive to to all types of riding. So I've, I've gotten into new types of biking. Oh, it's awesome. And if you're like most people, that means you probably have multiple bikes. Yes, <laughs> I do. I have three bikes. <laughs> I've got a commuter. I guess if I, I can talk about them really briefly. I've yeah. got a commuter that's the Surly Troll. 
Um, and that's my favorite bike, I think. Um, <laughs> it kind of does everything. I mountain bike on it. It's fully rigid. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no suspension the way I have it set up. But uh, it's I can mountain bike on it. I can commute in pouring rain or snow. Yeah. I've, I've toured on it. I rode... Uh, across Iowa and Ragbri on it. I think it kind of just does everything. And then I've got a specialized Diverge, which I use for more lightweight bike bike touring mm-hmm. or gravel riding. Um, and that's a really fun light bike compared to my Surly. Mm-hmm. And then I also have a specialized Dolce, uh, which is just a a light road, kind of beginner entry level road bike sure. um, that I use to to just go on some more fun, shorter rides around pavement around here. So I, I love all three of them. I try to use them equally, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago with a guy, and we were laughing because he, you know, described his bikes, and he's like, "But this one's my favorite." And then we both kind of paused and went. I wonder what all those other bikes are thinking, you know, when, I know, when you call probably. out, you have a favorite bike. What? <laughs> I hate to say it. It's like close the, the ears of the bike. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, one of the things we talk about on this podcast is bicycle touring or bike packing, And I know that you've done some of it. Like, you know, you already um, d- described that you've pedaled across Iowa on Ragbri, which is yeah. awesome. So fun. Yeah. So how did you get into um, bicycle touring or bikepacking? I honestly, Ragbri was my first um, multi-day trip. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, I started uh, riding my bike as my sole form of transportation when I lived in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, I didn't have a car, so I just had to ride my bike. Mm-hmm. And through that, I met a lot of people who rode on these multi-day trips. And I'm from the Midwest originally. I'm from Illinois. Okay. And so I, I knew about Ragbri. I had friends that had done it. And I thought it would be a really fun and sort of supported way to try to get into mm-hmm. uh, multi-day biking, bike, uh, bike touring. And so I started with that trip. And that really gave me confidence that I could do these types of rides. Sure. Um, it was really hard. It was so, I, I think I went into it not realizing how hard red ride would be <laughs> for me. And it was honestly really, really tough. Yeah. And then, uh, but I loved it. I thought it was so cool that we biked across a whole state. Right. I just never could have imagined that I could do something like that. And so that kind of launched for me. I'm a, a graduate student. So and I've been in grad school for four, I guess, five, going on five years now. Mm-hmm. And so I have summers kind of off or flexible. So then from there on, I kind of just started going on uh, summer trips, um, got into some more gravel and more off-road kind of bike packing trips. Mm-hmm. So um, that kind of caught my attention I'd liked I always liked bike uh, backpacking before that hiking yeah and so I thought that was a cool way to kind of merge the, my two interests and um yeah since then I've gone on trips every summer this summer is my first year taking it a little easier and staying closer to home but mm-hmm. still traveling by bike just not trying to like cross a state or something right. <laughs> uh, so so that's yeah that's where I'm at now but 
uh, Ragbri was really the first, the first entryway for me. Um, and I think it is for so many people. Oh it's yeah. Just, I've, just awesome. I've heard that story so many times and yeah, um, it's the best way to, like you said, to kick off, you know, uh, I don't want to say obsession, but you know, to, if you are going to do bike packing, that's the one of the best ways to start because it's supported. It really is. You have t- little towns every ten miles, and there's everyone else around you is doing the same thing. And we're not yes. talking hundreds; we're talking thousands of people. Yes. So yeah, I can't say enough good things. I think it's cool. I, I just really like that ride because it's all types of people, all ages, yeah. sizes, you know, all backgrounds, all types of bikes, and it's kind of, it's more about the community than it is about cycling in yeah, many ways, yeah. which I think is just so cool to provide an entryway to something that oftentimes is, is sort of uh, this exclusive club of these extreme athletes. Right. And right. Instead, instead it's like, let's get a beer or have a, <laughs> a piece of corn, you know, on yeah. the side of the road. Yeah. I think that's so cool. <laughs> that's awesome. And it totally brings me to uh, my next question. So uh, like I mentioned in the intro, I came across the incredible article you wrote for Bicycling Magazine. Um, You talked about your love of cycling, of course, but you also talked in depth about your relationship with your body and body positivity. And like you mentioned, Ragbri is a perfect example of that. There are all kinds of athletes, uh, young, old, big, small. I mean, there's road bikes, touring bikes, self-contained. There's just everything on there. But like expand a little bit about um, that article that you wrote. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I so when I got into cycling, I well, I've always been fat, and I I use the word fat intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the fat activist community is to uh, sort of reclaim that word and use it just as a descriptor about ourselves. So um, I've I've always been fat. I was fat as a child. I was really active. I'm fat now, and I'm really active. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that if I'm being honest with myself, I always thought if I was super active, I might lose some weight. And originally when I got into cycling, um, I thought it might be a way for me to lose weight and mm-hmm. start looking. I'm using air quotes here, which doesn't reflect on the podcast, <laughs> but looking like an athlete. Um, and that didn't really happen. Um, I, I stayed the same weight um that I've always been uh but what did happen was I realized that I could still do these long trips or I could still bike all the time Mm -hmm. as a fat person that Mm -hmm. wasn't limiting me other than what my own perceptions were and what the community around these perceptions were about what fat bodies are capable of uh which are uh, in my opinion not true they're not accurate Mm -hmm. perceptions and so um it did limit me at first. It definitely was hard for me to get into cycling because I didn't see myself as the type of person that was a cyclist. When I went to Ragbri, I saw people of all shapes and sizes there. Um, and I wish I could say that that was the moment where I was like, yes, fat people can be cyclists. Like we are athletes. But I think the journey for me is, was longer than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think being there, I felt included, but I still... I still was worried about my body, worried about how other people saw me, um, was cognizant of how much slower I was going up the hills than my friends, that type of thing. Um, 
And I guess I wrote this article, long story short, and I've been thinking about these ideas because I want other people in larger bodies to to know that there are fat cyclists out here. Mm-hmm. We exist. We go on these big trips. We go on short trips. We bike to school or work. You know, we exist. And right now, I think there's a pretty limited reflection of that in cycling media. And so I, I guess what I mean by that is I don't see myself or other large cyclists reflected in uh, in advertising materials for oh, cycling sure. companies mm-hmm. or on Instagram feeds. Um, we're, it's just sort of, we're just not shown uh, in picture. There's not a lot of stories about fat cyclists as athletes. Um, and so I hoped that this article would be a way to kind of uh, say, hey, world, we're here. Um, and I mean, best case scenario, a few people might read it and think, um, hey, maybe I'll get up back on a bike or yeah. get on a bike for the first time, you know, um, and and that, you know, all bodies can do uh, can be on a bike. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I hope I answered your question. Oh, <laughs> gosh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and when you look at um, your um you know, when you first started bicycling as an adult uh, to now, I'm sure there were times when you're like, I don't think I can go that far. And you yes. look at yourself now and you're like, uh, seriously, I can go three times that length. Or- so it's so true. I last summer, uh, I cycled across the state of Alaska from Seward to the Arctic Ocean. And about halfway, even though I had I had biked 500 miles, but at the halfway point, um, we still had 500 more miles to go. Ooh. And I just, which I referenced in the in the Bike Magazine article. Um, and what I didn't put in that article is that for the week leading up to the second half of the ride, I was freaking out. I thought there was no way that my body could do the second part of the ride, mm-hmm. even though I had done the first part of the ride. And I had all these doubts about my body's ability to get me to the to the Arctic Ocean to the the end of the ride, so many stresses um, and self doubt about what I could do, mm-hmm. but it simply wasn't true. I think um, I think that that's self imposed. I think it's also culturally imposed upon people in larger bodies. Um, yeah, and I think everyone has that fear before a bike trip. You know, what if I can't do it? Oh, sure. Um, but I have just proven to myself time and time again that I can do it. And I just, I, I can't say enough. Like I am not a person that I, I never thought of myself as a person who could bike across a state. Um, (laughs) I don't, I don't look like what people think people that bike across a state look like. I don't have like the mentality of like a hardcore athlete. Um, but I think once you're out there, you just kind of keep doing it. Yeah. (laughs) And then before you know it, you're, you're cycling across the state. Right. And <laughs> I'm going to make the assumption, but you did not say, did you actually make it to the other side of Alaska? I did make it. Yes. I, did. <laughs> I didn't put that in the article. Yeah. I left a cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. So that means at least uh, from what you mentioned, you've hit two states where you've gone from border to border. That's yes. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Yeah. I think so. And I think so many people have done that. And we just don't, 
uh, think of them as the type of person, once again, air quotes, right. <laughs> who does that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I totally agree. So besides those, you know, Alaska and Iowa, which are huge uh, accomplishments, any other great places that you've been on a bike? Uh, so many. Um, I'll just list a few. Yeah. Um, I, I did a cycling trip in Utah um, where I was living at the time, and I rode on the River Road, which runs along the Colorado River outside, just outside of Moab. Mm. And that was, that was one of the most beautiful places I've been on a bike. Um, I rode just most recently along the ocean in Oregon. So along the coast on the 101 and that is just so beautiful. There's a reason so many people do that bike ride, um, up in Olympic national park. There's some great, uh, great trails, uh, for all levels, some bike paths up there that I just went to in May and those are really beautiful too. Mm. So I, I guess there's these epic trips and then there's just great day trips too. <laughs> oh yeah. And sometimes the day trips, like for me, especially when I'm with, um, you know, a group, so it's more of a social ride, you see so much more beauty because you're not, you know, worried about the terrain. You're not yes. trying to go as fast as possible. You're just chit-chatting with the people with you. And oh, man, <laughs> some of those are some of it's my so true. favorite photographs too, when you're like, oh my God, I forgot about this beautiful, yes. you know, flower or something or whatever. Yes. Like, and you have the time to take a picture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, how about any uh, funny or, well, let's say semi-embarrassing stories while out on the bike? <laughs> Uh, this one, I, I thought of uh, <laughs> quite a funny story. So when I was uh, up in Alaska, I didn't have much room for bike shorts. So I could only bring two bike shorts and I just alternated. Yep. Uh, and so we were uh, quite a ways, about three days out from a town when I uh, ripped a hole in the butt of one of my oh, bike shorts. No. <laughs> it was quite large. And uh, it was, of course, on my left butt cheek, so <laughs> facing the cars right. uh, <laughs> as they drove past. And so I put a piece of black tape that I luckily had over it, but it would always fall off, and my, <laughs> <laughs> my butt was exposed for a few days. Oh, geez. <laughs> so that was a little bit embarrassing, but also kind of funny. So. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's like when you're doing a tour like that... It, you try so hard not to overpack because you yes. know everything that you put on your bike weighs more and makes your bike heavier and more awkward and but yeah I've done that too where you're like well I, this is all I need you this know this is you, all I need yeah like whoever you know what are the chances that the entire butt cheek is going to be hanging out on my yes. bike ride but eh, it happened exactly to you. I hadn't <laughs> considered it as a possibility but luckily I was able to get another bike pair of bike shorts yeah. when we got to town. So. Or maybe you need to add a very small sewing kit. Although, yes. although sewing lycra together probably isn't going to last very long. Either. Yeah, you <laughs> might just get a bigger hole. But. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not well, a bad idea. Well, when you talk about uh, the, you know, bike touring, um, obviously, you've been on some epic tours. Um, what kinds of things do you take along on overnight rides? Yeah, well, I tend, I guess I'll start with the basics. I bring my sleeping pad and a sleeping bag um, and a little stove. 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I actually use this stove called a Vargo that you just pour a little bit of alcohol into and it's enough to heat up some water to the, to the boiling point. Oh, okay. Um, and I carry freeze dried food, um, reluctantly. I found some good brands. Good to go is a, a nice brand. It's a little, it's a little spendy, but it tastes really good. And, um, so I bring, you know, one of those, if I'm going to be out for a night, that's good enough for two people. Mm-hmm. Um, bring my bike clothes. I try to keep it so limited. So like maybe one shirt, two pairs of bike shorts, if it's going to be multiple days mm-hmm. and then maybe two pairs of socks. Um, I, I go really minimal because I'm really short. And so my bags are really small. Oh yeah. Um, and so that's something I think we have, you know, people don't talk about a lot, but if you're taller, you can bring more. Right. <laughs> uh, and I bring like probably one rain layer. I'm lucky in that I don't get very cold, mm-hmm. uh, especially on the bike. <clears throat> so I don't have to bring a lot of warm layers, but I, of course I bring my helmet. I do bring gloves and I tend to bring two pairs of gloves because man, your hands are key players in the biking game. Sure. Sure. And I always, one thing I do bring, excuse me, is uh, I do bring now dishwashing gloves and plastic bags for my feet. Uh, And you can tell I live in the Pacific Northwest (laughs) where it rains a lot um, because if your hands or your feet get really wet and kind of pruney, it can really end a day for you. So I bring those um, and I always bring a book. and I try to find a small book so that it will fit in my bag. And I always bring a bar of chocolate to reward nice. myself. Yeah, you got to have a reward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I think those are the main things, you know, shelter and food and clothes. Yeah. And then a few, a luxury, you know, the chocolate or yeah, the book. That's yes. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when when you look at, you know, bike packing or bike touring, it's definitely kind of a leap of faith to do that first yes. trip. Um, you know, if you, hopefully you're lucky enough to have some friends who have done it or like you, you know, joined Ragbri. But what advice would you give first timers wanting to try, a, you know, either an overnight or a multi-day tour? I think... Like my automatic response is like, just do it. But I think, (laughs) I think you you probably want to plan too. Um, If you have a chance to do something organized like Ragbri, it can really build your confidence. Um, But I would say if you, if you don't, if that's not in the the realm of possibilities, I would keep it to a single night and keep it close to home or, or keep it to the point where maybe you drive to a trailhead or a road and you, you leave your car and, and I always tell people, like, don't push it on the miles the first time. You're kind of just testing testing out your, you know, the gear that you can bring, what it's going to feel like to ride with all that stuff on your bike because mm-hmm. it does feel different. And so I, I've i got some trips around here where we'll just go, you know, maximum 20 miles away from the car, even less, and then camp and maybe do a little bike ride from there without gear on the bike and mm-hmm. then come back to the car the next day or back to your house the next day. And those trips can be really fun because it's really just just about riding your bike and camping, you know, the rest is like extra. So, yeah, yeah. So those, that can be the best way. And, and that can also allow you not to buy because the, the gear is expensive, you mm-hmm. know, to carry all this stuff. And so I've ridden, I've ridden on trips where we just rode with 
with backpacking bags on our backs um, as a way to get out there and give it a try. And uh, it's not the most comfortable way, but if you're only riding a few miles, it's doable. Right. So, you know, there's ways to make it work. I love to ride with other people. So I would say, like, find a friend that wants to try it with you, you know. Right. (laughs) But maybe you don't like riding with other people. So do it alone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To each his own. But, yeah, I think I think it's more accessible than you than anyone would imagine. Um, Right. I, you know, I think it's scary to think about. There's a lot of moving parts, but uh, you'll surprise yourself. Right. And I love, I I love your idea of, you know, even driving to a trailhead and and not going super far because you'll have that, um, you know, a little bit of sense of security, like, all right, the car is, you know, 15 miles away. If it's like starts pouring or I get too cold or I'm, you can just leave. Yeah. I'm (laughs) scared of the dark. I can just get on my bike and get back there. So I love that. I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Gear is expensive. So just, you know, if you're going to try it, just use what you have. You know, you yeah. can pull the sheet off your bed or, you know, whatever. You don't have to go out and buy the best gear. It's so true. And I I would say one other thing I've had friends try is that they've just, we've gone on a day trip, so they haven't even necessarily used any of the gear, but they just rode with it on to see what it would feel like. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that can be really good, especially if you're going to try a bike packing trip where you're maybe on a single track, like a mountain bike trail or maybe a pretty steep gravel road, because it can be really scary to ride with all that weight the first time. Yeah. And so it's nice to like give yourself a day practicing where you're not also relying on all that gear to sleep and eat with. And so that can be a good way too. I think there's no, there's like no wrong way right. to yeah. bike tour or bike pack. Right. And, uh, obviously these big trips are really cool, but the small trips, like you said, are just as beautiful. Yeah. I mean, the key is don't sit on the couch and think about it. Just put your gear on your bike and go. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Really, really and truly. (laughs) Well, do you have any adventures on your horizon? Let's see. Right now I, uh, I've got things I'd love to do. I want a bike. I want a bike across the United States. Ooh. Um, I'd love to do the Baja Divide, uh, which is like a gravel trip down into Mexico. Um, and then there's right now I'm interested in challenging myself to do a gravel bike race. Mm. Um, that, you know, something that's 100 or 200 miles that you just do all at once. Mm-hmm. It would be a really really big challenge for me. I, I don't ride super fast. So it would mean a lot of hours on the bike. Mm -hmm. Um, and those are sort of all over the place, but, uh, school's starting for me. So I start teaching class here soon and then, uh, probably won't get out on a really good trip until the summers. That's when I usually ride, but you know, I have to challenge myself even to do these weekend trips. I keep telling everybody to do, (laughs) Um, (laughs) go out on an overnight right. around town, you know, so probably those are, those are what I'll get after in the next few months. Yeah. Well, anytime you can get outside, it's for me, uh, it's the way to go. Yes. 
Yes, it is. I always am happier for it. Yes, definitely. <laughs> well, I was going to mention, um, if people want to read your article, I'm guessing, you know, everyone's already read it multiple times. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. But you can just find it at bicycling.com um, and look up, you know, Kaylee Kornhauser or... Yes. Yeah. I think even just by the title you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And then do you have any like social media that you'd want people to maybe check out about you? Yeah. Um, I have an Instagram account uh, and I'll just spell it out. Um, so it's it's Kornhauser Sauce, which is K-O-R-N-H-A-U-S-E-R-S-A-U-C-E. Okay. Um, and you can find me there. <laughs> on Instagram, you said, right? Yes. Yes. All right. Kornhauser sauce. Let's do it. Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kaylee, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really enjoyed, you know, meeting you and learning about your adventures. And don't st- don't stop doing what you're doing. <laughs> thank you very much. This Our, has been a pleasure. You bet. Thank you. How about a touring tip? Let's talk toiletries. What to bring, what to bring. Think of all the full-size toiletries you use daily. Shampoo, conditioner, deodorant, toothpaste, toilet paper, the list goes on and on. Well, full size of anything is just not necessary for a short tour, I promise. Uh, Take a moment to visualize just how much of each product you use daily, and it's going to be a very small amount. Most products are available in travel sizes and work great for a bike tour, including toilet paper. And if you go to hotels often, you can build up a collection of the tiny soaps, conditioners, and shampoos that you get in your room each day. You can also buy small empty bottles at most big box stores like Target or Walmart and then fill them from your full-size products at home. Uh, Be sure to label the bottles with the content. So bottom line, only bring the bare basics. For example, for me, I have long curly hair and skipping conditioner is just not an option. So I always have to bring both shampoo and conditioner. But if I put my hair in braids or wear a ponytail, I don't need to wash it every day, which means I don't have to bring very much hair product or any at all if I'm on a short tour. You'll have to experiment on what you should bring and how much but always try and bring less. Your panniers will already be full with your sleeping stuff, your clothes, etc. You'll be happy to have a little bit of extra room, not to mention liquid toiletries weigh a lot when you combine them all. If you're going to be touring several days and want to wear items more than once, I pack a small container of powdered laundry detergent so I can use a sink or a bucket to wash something. Avoid packing liquid detergent because if that container opens up in your bag, uh, ugh, you're in trouble. Organize your toiletries by when you'll be using them. For example, if going to the shower, you will only need items you use in the shower and bathroom, like your shampoo, your soap, razor, toothbrush, hair products. I bag these items together and keep them in a small backpack. My towel and flip-flops are also in that backpack. When your bike ride is done and you have the luxury of finding a shower, you can simply grab your backpack, which is already ready, add whatever you'll be wearing post-shower, and you're good to go. Have another bag of toiletries you can use back at your tent. Items like lotion, deodorant, vitamins, etc. They can stay in your tent till you get back from the shower. The less you have in your shower bag, the easier and quicker your shower experience will be. If you have 
dirty clothes, which you won't be washing and rewearing, they should go into a Ziploc type bag, seal up that bag and squish all the air out of it so it can disappear into the bottom of one of your bags until you get back home. Oh, and after your shower, don't forget to drape your wet towel over a branch or your bike frame so that it's dry in the morning. And as soon as it's dry, put it right back into your shower bag or your shower backpack so you don't have to dig for it the next day. That's your touring tip for this week. That's it for today, listeners. Check out morphologypodcast.com and email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com. I appreciate you, and thanks for taking the time to listen to the Morphology Podcast. I leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of Morphology. This quote comes from Fred Rogers. There are three ways to ultimate success. The first way is to be kind. The second way is to be kind. The third way is to be kind. Think about it.